there, sweet mommies. This is Sherry Hayes, the homeschooling mom of 15, bringing you encouragement and delight for your day. So wash the dishes, fold the laundry, nurse that sweet baby, or just sit and sip some tea while we dive into the good life in Jesus. Today, I am behind a bit, so I actually didn't publish last week, uh-oh, but there was a reason for it. Today I'm going to bring you a two for one. We are going to talk about classical education and ancient Greece, and there is a free study packet if you go to the post on my blog, that's at momdelights.com. So let's dive in. First of all, let's talk about classical education. It seems to be quite popular these days. I know that it's all over the place. I see it everywhere on Pinterest. I see it on YouTube. I see it everywhere. So um, what is classical education and where did it come from? Now, a lot of folks, when they start homeschooling, they start looking at things, they just see classical education and they think, oh, that sounds really good, right? So they just start doing it. <laughs> well, we kind of have to like look into it just a little bit, I think. The classical education movement, this is according to Wikipedia, advocates for a return to a traditional, quote-unquote, education based on the liberal arts, including the natural sciences, the canons of classical literature, the fine arts, and the history of civilization. It focuses on human formation and paideia with an early emphasis on music, gymnastics, recitation, imitation, and grammar. So that sounds really good, doesn't it? So in a nutshell, the idea is to recover what has been lost by going back to the old ways, specifically to what is considered the classical period of history. Okay, this is when the Greeks and the Romans ruled the world. So we hear this all the time. We hear uh, classicism or the classical period or something like that. The classical period pretty much deals with the time when the Greeks and the Romans kind of ruled the world and they had all the answers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I mean, <laughs> when I go back to my, my schooling, I think of it, you know, people in togas that sat around fountains and talked a lot with each other. Okay. And maybe there are some great statues and stuff like that, right? <laughs> but actually, there's a lot more to it. Okay. Now, all of this sounds good and certainly fits into what we have grown to understand as education. It includes reading great books about with written from great thinkers, learning the classical languages of Latin and Greek, the appreciation and participation in the arts, and the harnessing of the body's potential. A lot of devout believers are enamored with classical education, and there is great merit to many parts of it. However, there are also great areas of concern. Okay, so let me explain, because when I start doing this, some people are going to go, well, we are, I'm sorry, Sherry, but uh, classical education is the thing. Okay, I know, I know. I'm going to touch on it just briefly. Please be kind just for a second. We're not going to get really mean or anything. Don't worry about that. But we're just going to kind of bring some little nuances out just maybe to think about. Okay. First of all, if we are going to recover what has been lost, quote unquote, we need to look farther than and in a different direction. Okay. When we talk about loss, we know that the government schools in America 
are pretty much, they flunked, okay? <laughs> I mean, what comes out of our government schools, by and large, I mean, I know when I came out of government schools, and this was in 1982 when I graduated, I know that I was messed up in my thinking, and I was a believer, okay? And we know that things have only gotten progressively worse since then, okay? So as with all things, God's original intent needs to be considered, and we will discover this in his word. We will see it both spelled out directly and lived out in the lives of those persons God mentions. The truth is, though, we are all Greeks. And why do I say that? Well, in the West, we have all been Hellenized. Hellenization is something that began during the time of Alexander the Great. As a result of his conquest of the known world, Greek thought, Greece is Hellas in the Greek language. So that's why they call it, they call it Hellenism, because Hellas is the name for Greece. I think that the current name that Greeks call themselves are the Hellenitic or something, anyway, something to do with Helen. <laughs> anyway, it made its way, okay, the, okay, let me go back. Greek thought has made its way throughout the civilization of the West. Now, it eventually overtook even the Jews and also has made its way into the Christian church. Okay, so what is Greek thought? Well, at the foundation of Greek thought is humanism. Now, basically, humanism asserts that man, and not God, is the measure of all things. This means, in, in regular jargon, that man can use his own intellect to ascertain truth and that man's thinking determines whether even God is right or wrong. Have you ever noticed this? I mean, it's like a current thought. So a lot of people, even when we read the Bible, we go, okay, well, God said that, but is that right or is that wrong? <laughs> All right, anyway, and I know we don't really try to do that. It's just our natural way that we've been trained to think, okay? Now, we see this everywhere in our culture, don't we? Humanism has led to relativism, which has led to an abandonment of absolute truth or any truth at all. You know, well, that's your truth, right? I recently watched a white American man claim that he was a Pakistani woman in a televised political forum, and no one was allowed to point out this obvious lie because, you see, that was his truth. Another foundational Greek premise that is that of dualism. Now, dualism is in its most basic form, uh, everything, it's the idea that everything spiritual is good and everything physical is bad. Now, this is also the basis for the heresy of Gnosticism. And we think, we don't realize that this has really uh, um, influenced the way we think as Christians, it does. Okay, it's everywhere. And we often live by it without realizing it. For instance, we venerate spiritual professions such as pastors and praise leaders and the like, but we consider professions such as engineers and airline pilots as necessary but not important for the kingdom of God. That is just one evidence of dualism. Like, have you ever noticed that if you're praying or reading your Bible, that's really, really godly and wonderful, but if you have to go wash dishes, then you kind of get out of your spiritual sense because now you're doing something physical and that doesn't really count. Okay, so that's dualism. Those are like just practical applications of dualism, but it's even bigger than that, okay? Now, because we have this Greek 
understanding. When we embark on a quest to find the best education, we naturally gravitate to that with which we are most familiar, where we're most comfortable. Okay, We are immersed in a Hellenized world. And our schools are set up in a dualistic fashion. And if you think about it, rarely is there even a head nod to the spiritual realities. You know, we have compartments for the real world and compartments for this spiritual or religious world in our lives, don't we? We go to church on Sunday, we have our devotions in the morning, but when we go to work or when we go to school, God's not included. We don't talk about him. We don't talk about him as being creator. We don't, we don't understand that, he, that everything he created, he called good. And we just kind of live without him until we get to our prayer time. Now he's included. Okay. Um, a person is considered worthwhile if they are smart, right? Uh, and we seldom consider the word wise as a positive designation in our circles of influence. So it's not that we say, boy, that, that kid is smart. That's what we usually say right? So the kid can do calculations and maybe he graduated college at 13. But is that child wise? This is a whole different category and we do not even consider it usually, don't we? So when we look to the old ways, we just go back to an earlier form of the same, only just more rigorous. <laughs> so maybe now kids graduate and they, you know, they just kind of shove them through and they don't really care if they know their math. But in the old days, in the old ways, they really knew their math really well, right? <laughs> so classical education is, you, if it's done in a Greek way with a Greek mindset, is what we gravitate Two, we gravitate to this classical education idea with a Greek mindset, okay? But there is a different way, okay? This was completely foreign to me at first. I actually had a hard time wrapping my own cerebrum around it for a long time. And here's the idea. You have to become a Hebrew and not a Greek. Okay, so that's hard to figure out. What is the difference? Well, the Moore Academy uh, uh, puts it like this. Okay, so let me just lay it. I'm going to read a number of statements, and they're kind of opposites of each other, so hopefully you get the picture. Okay. The, okay, the Greek teaching method focuses on, on content, but the Hebrew teaching method focuses on context. All right, think about that for a minute. The Greek method teaching the Greek method teaching seeks to shape a student's mind, but the Hebrew method teaching seeks to shape a student's heart. Students other, under the Greek method learn what the teacher knows. Students under the Hebrew method pattern themselves after what their teacher is. The Greek method teaching is efficiency driven, but the Hebrew method teaching is relationship driven. Okay, I actually had to, to create a chart so I could understand it better. So you can find that in the post that I wrote for this podcast. It's right there and maybe that'll help. I kind of do some little explanation a little better from that. Okay, now I believe the reason we are drawn to Charlotte Mason and her methods is because she found a way of expressing the Hebrew ideals of education in a practicable manner. She actually brought the Hebrew ideas into her Christian ideas and she put it all together. And we read that she considered children persons, 
which makes more sense than the school idea that they're products. <laughs> okay. And because we are all created in the image of God and we have responsibilities to God and man on that basis. Okay. And she relied on methods that allow for the inculcating of ideas via relationship, didn't she? I mean, if you look at the whole thing, if you take it and you analyze it, that's what you see. So the question remains, can a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christian teach their children according to classical education and be true to their faith? Absolutely, but with caution. While we are learning our Latin verbs and delving into the Battle of Marathon, let us be careful to look at it all through the lens of the pilgrims and sojourners we are. While we study the poets, playwrights, and philosophers, may Christ always be king and the Father's intentions always be foremost in our minds. Okay, now I'm going to read this one scripture for you to kind of wrap this up. And it's Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so very kind of, kind of a grave there, but I think you get the idea. And with that, let us delve into the related subject of studying ancient Greece. Yay! Okay, so this is something I've been working on for a while. So I hope that this will help you. All right. If you're unsure about teaching ancient history as a homeschooler, this, po this podcast is for you. Ancient history is one of the most important subjects a child needs to study, of course, after the Bible and the three R's, right? So you, you have to have basic Bible understanding, and know how to read, write, and do arithmetic, all right? But after that, ancient studies are just really foundational to understanding almost everything. Now, why do I say this? Okay, because understanding the workings of God and man in early history helps lay out his plans and puts the Bible into context. Much error has been and is being committed because we hold the Bible apart from history. In fact, you could say we are, as a society, grossly ignorant of the past, which has a great bearing on our present and our future. No, it's not boring. I know that a lot of us grew up thinking of history as a bunch of dusty books stacked a mile high in an old, dark library somewhere. <laughs> we also yawn or run when we think of all the wars and dates we were forced to remember in our classes in conventional schooling. Now, some of us maybe didn't do that. I don't know, but that's how I remember it. Homeschooling changes all that. When we homeschool, we get the opportunity to see history as a feast of tastes and textures, of sights and sounds that captivate and enthuse. For instance, in the character of Cyrus the Great, we find a genius who discovered the way to conquer whole nations without firing a single arrow. We find Alexander the Great disseminating Greek culture all over the known world as he conquered it before the age of 30. That's right. We stand before the Roman populace with the Caesars and watch as the world buckles and reels under our mighty fist. And we begin to see the struggles of the Persians, the Medes, the Babylonians, and the Greeks. And then we take this information, stand back, and formulate an analysis coupled with historical biblical accounts and truth. Now, our daughters have been doing just that. I took a few months last summer and did a deep dive into the subject of ancient Greece. Then I formulated my findings into a sort of unit study, and they have been digging in ever since. 
While they are primarily working on it independently, I check in every so often. What I'm hearing from them is so amazing. They're actually making connections that I hadn't even seen before. And their understanding of a lot of our current culture in the arts, in politics, even in religion, has broadened and deepened because of it. They are amazing to me what they're learning. It's just really amazing. Okay. Now I want to share this packet that I've made with you. I have taken our study and formulated it into a PDF so that you can print it out and use it with your own children. And that's what has been taking up my time. So this is my excuse for skipping last week. <laughs> I tried to find everything that was free so that you would not have to try and hunt up a bunch of books at the library or have to buy stuff online. Also, I am including labeled notebooking pages for both younger and older children so that you can print out for use with your children that follow the suggested path of study that I outlined in the packet. Now, um, so the, that's something that we all have trouble with sometimes. We wonder if we're going to study a subject like this, how can we include all of the children? We, Basically, you just read stuff aloud and the little kids catch as much as they can and the big kids catch as much as they can and then you hand out a notebooking page at their level and they fill it in and have fun and that kind of is a wrap up and helps them to uh, remember it. Now, you can do independent study where your child reads on their own and you just assign it to them and then they fill in the things. They can also do research on their own, which is great for older children as well. Okay. Um, and I was inspired, when I made the notebooking pages, I was inspired by uh, um, like a, a downloadable curriculum called History Scribe. And um, they are no longer on the internet. So I, you can't find it. So what I did is I just took and I took the basic material that they had and I made my own notebooking pages kind of like them. I, it's, it's copyrighted and I didn't want to copy it. But um, I, did, I did use them as an inspiration. So I think you'll find the notebooking pages are going to be a lot of fun for your kids. Now, please keep in mind, I do not consider the ancient Greeks to be a gold standard for living. I absolutely do not suggest we should pattern our society after theirs. In fact, close study of the classical age showcases the sorrowful consequences when a nation follows after paganism of any type. Because I do not want my children to fall for the lie that the Greeks got it right, I have purposely included an article that lays out their errors. I have also sought to use an overview rather than going to the source documents and delving too deeply into Greek thought. In my opinion, it is the humanism and dualism of classicism that has brought the West to this dark place, and I want to use this study to help my children to see this fact plainly. And I've also, I'm also publishing at this time a, uh, a blog post on, on what I just talked about. You know, we just talked about the, um, the classical education idea. And so I go into the dualism. And in my packet, I also go into dualism. So, and the humanism and dualism. So hopefully that will help you. <laughs> anyway, what do you need to do this? Well, it would be great if you could print out all the notebooking pages and hand them out to your children to use as you study along, but this is not the only way because some of us, we have maybe limited access to printers and etc. You could also grab one of those cheap composition books that you buy, you know, at, when everybody's preparing for schooling in the late summer, and you could use it to do the studies in. Now, I have a post 
and a video on using composition books. And I have like a gallery that has all kinds of examples and ideas. And so I will try to link them in the description for this podcast. Okay. Now, if you're using the notebooking pages, it would be great to put them into a three ring binder and page protectors. This way they can have something to look back over in years to come. Now we have shelves with huge binders that are filled with notebooking pages that our children have created over the years and they are so fun to look through and it's also great like when the grandparents come over or if you have a snoopy neighbor or whatever you say well these are some of the things we've done in our homeschool and they look through there and it i don't know it just does something to see something visual you know and so it's just fun all over all over the place it's just a fun thing to do now if you haven't already a few history reference books would be great to have so that you don't have to depend entirely on the internet, right? Um, here are a few that I recommend, and these are just major ones. There's all kinds of other ones. I mean, there's a gazillions of them. And you can also print things out from history, heritage history, and have those online as well, on hand as well. Okay, so here is the Usborne Encyclopedia of the Ancient World, internet linked, and or the Kingfisher Book of the Ancient World. Those are two things to have, and they have maps, and they have pictures, and they have all kinds of cool stuff. I do rely heavily on the heritage history resources for this study. So all you have to do is to go to heritage-history.com and click on the resources link. Then at the top of that, you will see, you know, you have to scroll down and then at the top there will be the ancient Greece link and it'll have like a little picture and you click on that and then you'll discover, as you scroll down, you'll discover all kinds of stuff. They have the, um, the uh, era, let's see, what do they call it? The um, era summaries is what they call it. And also they have the maps and stuff like that. And, it's, and you, there is even stuff on there that I didn't use in my study. So you can use more. You just have fun with that. Okay. So, um, and then if you, if you want to find um, more about the study packet, if you want to download the study packet, you just go to um, the post for ancient history on um, my blog portion of my website, which is momdelights.com, and you'll find it. And I'll try to link that in the description as well. So I hope this has blessed you. If you could, would you help spread this message by liking, reviewing, and sharing it with others wherever you hear it? Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. Bye-bye.